My name's Tom Jennings and this is the 24 Frames Cast. Um, it's going to be a shorter episode today. I'm not going to really kind of hang around and just, I'm said I'm just going to kind of jump right in there. And this is going to be a look at the 20th anniversary of the release of the film The Matrix. The term red pill or red pilled has come to be quite an annoying part of the modern day political vocabulary. The idea that an individual has now seen the light can now perceive what is really happening. And typically it means being a liberal who finally comes to realise that things like universal health care and equality are mere constructs of a socialist totalitarianism and that by taking the red pill they can now see the error of their ways and the joyous truth therein that having attained wealth or some sense of notoriety and heavy sponsorship, they can now truly perceive the world and see it for what it is. My favourite grifter of this type being Candice Owens, a person so transparent I'm actually surprised she has physical form. Now, of course, the reason why we have the red pill is because of the film The Matrix. And here we are in 2019, and I'm feeling incredibly old that it was 20 years ago that I first saw the film. It's a film that has become revered in some quarters as a stone-cold classic. It's certainly, I think, a film that captured a certain generation. And one aspect of The Matrix that provoked a great deal of debate and intrigue is the film's perceived philosophy. Now, I have to be honest, I was more impressed with the film's visual aspects, the special effects, the gunfights, and of course the infamous bullet time sequences that were the closest thing I'd ever seen to comic panels being brought to screen. Now I'll return to that in due course, but I think it's necessary to go back and have a quick look at this for philosophical stuff before. Now for years I had convinced myself that I could remember my third birthday. There were even very specific moments of that memory. For example, I was convinced I received a large Tonka truck. I had a party that was attended by our neighbours who we lived with at the time in a town called Crawley Down and I can recall people being sat or perched on a sofa as my mother potted about serving drinks and preparing food. Then my mother actually showed me pictures of my third birthday. It was nothing like I thought it was. Different house entirely, no neighbours, just my grandparents and my parents for guests. Where, I wondered, had the other memory come from? Was it even a birthday? Had it even happened? This was a legitimately strange moment for me, which, was, which I was quite happy to never think about again until I told a friend of mine who offered the idea that the memory was something that I myself had constructed in order to give myself a comfy memory from the past, and it was actually a defence against the harsh realities of existence. I stared blankly at them until they began talking about the earth as nothing more than a spiritual jail that we all needed to escape from through some sort of perceived enlightenment to escape and live our full potential. As my eyes were beginning the journey to the back of my head, my friend managed to save me from a coma by saying it was all there in the matrix. Really? I retorted. Well, not like for like, they said, but I did have to admit that it did have a point. So I decided to follow the proverbial white rabbit and went back into the matrix armed with some internet fan theories as to its meaning and did a bit of digging as to what the Wachowskis were actually trying to get at. And the philosophy of the matrix is indeed varied. The cast were f apparently forced to read Jean Bernard's work Simulacre and Simulation, a 1981 text in which he makes the case for our existence and shared experience essentially being one in which the world eventually becomes a clone of one that no longer had any original state. 
that in turn leads to a drone-like consumer estate in which we basically spend our existence wanting things we don't actually need and living in vast urban areas detached from the natural state of the world. The result is one of alienation and superficiality, meaningless existence to our lives. It's obviously a lot more complicated than that and nuanced, but that's kind of the gist. And if you look carefully, you'll see that Neo actually has a copy of the book early in the film when he gives some hard drives to some hackers. And I suppose when I digested what all this was about, I thought a good analogy would be something like a sat-nav. As you stare at it, it will show gladly show you the route and what time you arrive and whatnot. But what it does not do is reflect any of the challenges of actually getting to the place you're trying to go to, the possible dangers you might actually experience of making the journey, other car users, to name but a few. Yet in a way, it's its own reality that becomes indistinguishable from the real thing. It exists before you, but not as anything more abstract due to a multitude of other factors, i.e. our disassociation to the real. We readily accept that what we are seeing being the reality of the moment, and so on and so on and whatnot and whatnot. Chuck into this Descartes' Deceiver, Plato's The Cave, and some good old-fashioned Christian ideology, and the end is exactly what I would expect. People like my friend claiming that the Matrix films are some kind of enlightening, deep exploration of the human condition and the world around us. I don't actually really believe this. I think it's more of a case of you get out the Matrix, what you bring to it. That was you on my computer. How did you do that? Right now, all I can tell you is that you're in danger. I brought you here to warn you. What? They're watching you, Leo. Who is? Please just listen. I know why you're here, Neil. I know what you've been doing. I know why you hardly sleep. Why you live alone and why night after night you sit at your computer. You're looking for him. I know because I was once looking for the same thing. And when he found me, he told me I wasn't really looking for him. I was looking for an answer. It's the question that drives us, Neo. It's the question that brought you here. You know the question, just as I did. What is the Matrix? The answer is out there, Neo. It's looking for you. And it will find you. If you believe the world is nothing more than a construct of faceless organisations that have turned you into a drone yearning to break free spiritually, then you'll find it all here. And there's, very, there's something very comforting as well about sinking out exactly what you're already thinking and having it broadcast back to you. And to a degree, we do it all the time. Ask yourself honestly, when was the last time you actually really tried to seek out opinions and views that were different to the ones that you already hold? I actually challenge yourself to think differently. I would wager it happens a lot less than you actually think or would even admit to. What I noticed amongst people I knew and fans online of The Matrix was that it had a kind of they had a kind of religious devotion to the films that actually came with the same inconsistencies of religion. When another friend was blathering on about their views about The Matrix, I began to ask them questions about did they actually think that we were living in a simulation and of course they came back to me this isn't a simulation this is 
something we've created. The Matrix is a spiritual prison that we've all decided to build for ourselves. And it's us that need to break free from it so we can see the real world on the other side of the wall. And I just got confused. What were these people really talking about? Is this reality or is this only the reality that I know? Because just if I just wake up a little bit, I can get into the real reality. Does that mean I'll still live in my house? Will my cat still be here? No one was ever able to give me a true answer because because really deep down, it just seemed like a load of ideas and a bunch of stuff that people were molding into something to make it seem like it was far worthy than it actually was. And to be honest with you, this was what led me to kind of drift away from The Matrix. And of course, the film had two sequels. I'm not going to talk about them today. I actually do not mind Matrix Reloaded. I think Revolutions is virtually unwatchable. But it was this insistence that there was something more to The Matrix. And the fact that I was beginning to see it more and more in the culture that just made me drift away from them and become slightly uninterested in and I had absolutely no idea we were approaching the 20th anniversary until someone pointed it out to me. And I thought it'd be a good time to obviously go back and see how much I've changed as a person since they've come out. Since their release, the siblings that made them have transitioned from male to female. They are now the Wachowski sisters. I am no longer a student. I live in Manchester by myself with two cats. I've had two long-term relationships. I've lived through my 20s and in a few months I will exit my 30s. I've done some travelling, watched friends get married, all my grandparents have died, Palace have been promoted and relegated a couple of times, and to a degree I work in a kind of job that I was thinking I would like to do from the age of about 16. Now, I think it's worth saying right from the get-go, I actually really enjoyed going back and watching The Matrix. It dawned on me this film was actually made at a crossroads in my life, and to a degree the world in general. We were approaching the end of a century and entering a new one that would be vastly different from the world we left behind. The previous century had been the most violent in human history, two world wars and a variety of other horrific conflicts in between, all of course running alongside the Cold War. Yet there was optimism to be found. Technology was changing our lives. Mobile phones were once monoliths carried around by the rich were now becoming accessible to all, along with eye-watering call charges, I seem to recall. And of course, there was the internet. I recall the excitement of downloading the Phantom Menace trailer in 1999 that had my father bellowing up the stairs to get off the fucking internet. And along with the internet came a new language, surfing the web chat rooms, avatars, people separated by thousands of miles were able to converse with like-minded people the world over. It was, in every real regard, a social communication revolution. And The Matrix perfectly captures the zeitgeist of the time. Those rather cool flip-down mobiles they used, the jacking into cyberspace. William Gibson had been there before with the Sprawl trilogy, but there was still an undeniable thrill about seeing this techno world brought to life. I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice, tumbling down the rabbit hole. Hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Ironically, this is not far from the truth. Do you believe in fate, Neil? No. Why not? 
Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. I know exactly what you mean. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Matrix. And of course there is Neo. Now Keanu Reeves has his detractors, I'm personally not one of them, and The Matrix hardly pushes him as an actor, but he's thoroughly believable as a nerdy office worker comes cyber terrorist god thing, and I was completely drawn into his character again. Neo is complete wish fulfillment. I've been there, the crappy office job you hate, and you just wish you could escape from and be someone more significant. It's all very Gen X, unlike our parents. University was going to cost us a fortune and saddle us with debt for the end of time. And I always felt with Generation X, there was just a hint of subversive rebellion from the musics of the likes of The Prodigy, rap and grunge and films like Slacker, Clerks and whatnot. Yet this indifference and mild anger never really became political or overly anarchic. Gen Xers didn't protest all that much. I think deep down it was, I think it's because we all knew we had it kind of good and didn't we want to piss our parents off too much. The Matrix is kind of a distillation of what we could be. Don't like corporate office culture? Well, it's all part of the evil plan that needs crushing. And we see this played out in a ludicrous, fun and entertaining way. And of course, we were the generation raised on computer games. We could identify with the ridiculous violence we saw on the screen because we now had the likes of Medal of Honor to fight our way through and Goldeneye. And of course you can't ignore the fact that this is 1999 and this is the year that The Phantom Menace has also come out. As we all sat in our cinema seats wondering what we had just seen, desperate to like the film, trying to kid ourselves that it wasn't that bad, and despite its moments, The Phantom Menace felt strangely dull in so many regards. The Matrix legitimately appeared to be a film that understood the culture in which it was made. It was cool, dare I say hip, and became the new science fiction we had been craving for so long. The film's opening half hour, where the world is revealed to us, still makes for genuinely legitimate thrilling viewing. What is going on? Who are these people? The film choice to shoot the film in Australia works too. We can clearly see that it's a city, but it's not one that we actually know from films. It's familiar, but somehow also unrecognisable. I don't think The Matrix would work so well if it had been shot somewhere more familiar, like New York or London or Berlin or somewhere like that. And the opening and the freeing of Neo from his battery farm prison was still able to provoke a genuine holy shit response from me. It's the use of special effects that I appreciate most. The vast fields of humans being tended to by large spider-like machines was unlike anything I'd actually seen before. It was spectacle at its very best and how CGI not be a dirty word. It is after all part of the art form and when used in this instance builds and enhances the world that we want to see. Yet as we move into the real world of the Matrix, it's here that some of the flaws of I had with the film become more apparent. It all seems like a bit of a downer to what life's like inside the Matrix and boy does that become even more apparent in the sequels. But of course, these are the chance for us all to see the rules. 
laid out by Morpheus to Neo, dying in the Matrix, dying in the real world, etc. I'm still not sure how the brain can make all that real, complete with bleeding gums, but that's just part of the fun, I suppose. And it is all prelude to the main event, which is Neo getting fighting shape for his antics in the Matrix. With its thumping electric soundtrack and physics-defying gunfights, the Matrix pushed technology, and indeed the medium. It, it actually introduced a new shot to us, or at least utilised the technology in the way we had not seen before, in the film of bullet time and 360-degree camera shots. I always particularly enjoyed Hugo Weaving as well as Agent Smith, a true baddie who, despite being a pewter creation, actually seems to enjoy his work in the same way the evil dinner ladies terrorised the playground at my primary school. And as the film thunders towards its climax, with Neo having to go and rescue Morpheus alongside Trinity, I dispensed with any misgivings I had about the film and simply went along with it. It's the classical hero's journey from mere mortal to new cyber god, and this time around I think I was far more on board with its ponderous philosophical moments. It may sound like a load of mumbo jumbo, but aside from the film's visceral fills, there is, whatever you weigh or you look at it or not, slightly more to the Matrix than just some nifty effects. And although I'm mostly there for the fun of it, I did find myself thinking about the film more than ever before. And I think part of its enduring popularity goes back to the zeitgeist. It was the go-to disc to show off your home cinema system, 5.1 was truly a revelation from anyone that just went with normal Dorelby surround sound system. This was the disc to showcase to your friends and impress them. And it showed us the technology we were beginning to see more around us. The aforementioned mobile phones, internets and subcultures and fashion and the post 9-11 world. It also played out to the conspiratorial minded the mass system trampling on the people and the concept of ideologically resistant, linked resistance to evil empires of Bush and Blair and whatnot. And on the recently released remastered Blu-ray, Bill Pope's gorgeous cinematography gets the treatment I feel might have been missed before. In fact, I haven't seen it look this good since I first saw it in the cinema and a new Dolby Atmos soundtrack certainly does justice to the film's audio scape. It does leave me somewhat confused and it's possibly a result of the culture as it stands today. When I seem to ask people what they think of The Matrix, I always get a variety of answers. Some seem to think it is a modern classic and others seem far more reserved or indeed completely dismissive of it. They would tear into the film and complain that the fight scenes are nothing on the early work of Jackie Chan and snipe at some of the more clunky lines delivering and Reeves's perceived lack of acting skills and I dare say they may even suggest the film tries to function as some kind of surrogate form of religious experience as the western world becomes more secular as if somehow filling a void that should have never been left open in the first place. Others would say hands down it is a technological triumph that is in a that in an age where AI has grown ever more relevant, our world is becoming run by algorithms, making us consume, telling us how we feel, and the best way to escape is all this to unplug and revert back to a more natural state of being. And indeed, they may actually have a point. I think of the Matrix somewhere in between. I can see both its merits and its potential flaws, and for me personally, it's either one of my favourite films, or I've never really thought about it as being in the pantheon as one of the best of its kind. However, this recent viewing has changed that to a degree. 
I feel we're free of judgement from seeing it this time. I ignored much of the internet snark film culture around the film and went into it, I think, far more open-minded than before. And as a result, I did find myself enjoying The Matrix more than I ever have. And I do genuinely think, upon seeing it this time, that it's an intelligent, technologically superb slice of science fiction goodness. It's daft when it needs to be, it knows how to have fun with the world it creates, and the Gorkowski's bring a kind of a variety of genres and influence to the table and create something that feels to me at least genuinely excitingly new even today. Its relevancy has never really gone away, or at least people seem to keep it relevant. I have no doubt The Matrix will be on the film going consciousness for many years to come. It has left me with a couple of dilemmas. Would I include it on some top 10 science fiction list of, that I tend to rewrite in my head all the time. And were I to watch those sequels again, it would mean I've seen them four more times than I have Raging Bull, and somehow that makes me feel bad about myself. But then, if I think about it in a Matrix way, is it inevitable that I'm going to watch those films again? Have I already decided? Is there absolutely nothing I can do about it? Has my free will been taken away from me by my desire to see what happens to Neo on the, Neo in the end? I don't really know, but one thing's for sure, The Matrix did do one thing for me. Whenever I've been annoyed with one of my bosses or workers pissed me off, I always like to listen to Rage Against the Machine as I come into work, and one for one brief glorious moment pray, wish that this was all some kind of computer illusion and I could actually not have to go through the ordeal of sitting in an office listening to the same boring trite conversations and wondering if this is all there really is to it. So that's going to be it for this episode of the 24 Frames cast. Only a short one. I will be returning very soon with two longer episodes. So um, we'll also be continuing with the Master of Cinema cast. You can find that on mastercinemacast.blogspot.com. You can follow me on Twitter at 24 Framescast, And you can also follow me on 24 Framescast.blogspot.com. Many thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.